Okay, so I mentioned that we're in, we're in Luke chapter 5. Um, we're in a series called True Story, walking through the whole gospel of Luke. Um, I just kind of need to know who I'm around because I'm not a fisherman at all. Um, if, if being a fisherman is what makes you a man's man, I'm not a man. That's, I don't know how you want to quote that on Facebook. Maybe don't quote that. But how many of you like to fish? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you are good at it? I'm not good at it. Um, I've been fishing once in my life. Um, and while I was taken fishing once in my life, I know, I know, it's exactly how I feel about it too. I was taken fishing once in my life by my grandpa. He was the only one brave enough to take me fishing once, but he wasn't stupid enough to take me fishing twice. Because when I went fishing with him the only time, I only caught one thing, and it was his shirt, right? So here's what I know about fishing, and some of you are good at it, and so you'll know this is true. Um, he taught me, when you're casting, the 10 and 2 approach. Just nod your head if this makes, if you've heard this. Okay. Um, now, I'm, I'm not going to get it right because I just told you I'm not a fisherman, and this is why I almost killed my grandpa. But um, something about you're holding the rod, and so you got, you got 10 and you got 2, right? So I think you, you hold it down back here, and then you release at 2, and you release it at 10, and it flies out into the water. I think something like that. But I let it go at two and yanked it, and I caught, I mean, I knew I'd caught something, but I was like, why? Because the water's there. I don't know what, you know, and I turned around, and that thing was dug into my grandpa's shirt right here, and his face was white, you know, because I don't know what that's like on his end. He's just standing there, all of a sudden, he's been caught um, with a really sharp hook, and so he, you know, I, I'm like, I'm so, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. He's like, not a problem. Don't worry about it. It never took me fishing again. So um, I'm not good at it. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I would not say I'm a fisherman or a fisherwoman or a fisher person, whatever the correct thing is to say, person who fishes. Um, but what I know is people that do fish, here's what I know about people that fish. If they're known for one thing, it's got to be the fish tales, right? It's got to be the stories that they tell and like, you know, they went fishing and they caught a fish and then they tell the story and it's a fish and it's a fish and it's, you know, like, they, like there's catches and then there are big catches. And so today in our story in Luke, we're going to see a, a big catch. But I thought we'd kind of warm up with some pictures. I brought some pictures of some big catches. Um, I don't know if you've ever caught fishes like this. Now, now the thing is, you know that we live in the age of Photoshop, Right. Um, I don't know if you're proficient at Photoshop, but in, because we live in the age of Photoshop, like this fish is playing a kazoo. How? I don't know. But um, because we live in the age of Photoshop, I don't know if these are real fish. Like, you know, you start going like, are these, did he really catch a fish that big or is that Photoshop? I think that's Photoshopped. Uh, I, and I'm pretty sure that one's Photoshopped. And I'm positive that one's Photoshopped. <laughs> Right? I mean, I'm positive it's Photoshopped. And so, you know, we're doing this whole series called True Story. And we're talking about how in the book of Luke, what we have are like this, this doctor named Luke has asked his friend Theophilus, or, you know, Theophilus has asked Luke to go research and see if these stories he's heard about Jesus are true. And so Theophilus is kind of saying this, look, I hear these stories of these big fish, big catches, like you keep telling these stories, are they really true? And so what we find in Luke chapter 5 is we're going to read about the calling of the first disciples. These are the first people that legitimately said, I will follow Jesus. And, and they, God uses, Jesus uses, like orchestrates this big catch of fish to hook fishermen 
to follow him. I'll, I'll just love the irony here, right? Um, like he, he uses this big catch of fish to hook them so that they will follow him. So think about this. It, if somebody came to you, and I don't know that somebody would be like the most powerful person in the world. If they came to you and they said, look, we want you to launch a, a worldwide, international, global, you know, those three words mean the same thing, right? But if it was, if they're pitching it, they would use all three. We want you to launch a worldwide, international, global organization, business, team, initiative that will change the face of life as we know it on planet Earth. If you were in charge of that and you had to put a team together to do that, where are you going to get your team? Because I know where I'm going. I'm, well, I'm not going to church, sorry. I'm going to the best colleges, the best grad schools. I'm asking if I can interview the top 50 at each of those schools. And I'm, inter- I'm talking to the best. And then from the best, I'm picking the best of the best. And I'm offering them a position on my team. Because we're talking about worldwide initiative, changing the face of mankind as we know it. But, but when Jesus was given that task, when God sent Jesus into the world and said, look, I want you you're going to be in charge of a global initiative. It's going to revolutionize mankind from, from now until ever. And you need to build a team of 12 people. Where did Jesus start? He, he started with really smelly fishermen. like People who were not popular. They weren't the highest in society scale. They, they stank. Like, have you ever done something so nasty that you wash your hands with soap, with water? You go down, like, to advanced auto parts and buy the orange gook stuff or whatever, and you're like, all, and you're like you cannot get rid of the smell, right? You've got, you've got stuff in the cracks of your knuckles. You've got stuff under your finger. Like, people that know you are like, dude, wash your hands. You're like, I have. You can't. You, fishermen back then, man, you could smell them a mile away, right? Don't stand downwind from a fisherman. They smelled horrible. And these are the people that Jesus went to to build his team that changed the world that we live in. Think about that. And this is the story that we find in Luke chapter 5. He, he didn't just call ordinary men to be a part of something extraordinary. That's one thing. But the beauty of this is that he orchestrated this big catch with fishermen who were always telling big fish tales and that's what forever changed the stories that they told. So we're going to read it, um, Luke chapter 5, and then hold on to your, your hat if you're wearing one because I'm going to share nine points, okay, nine points. And I know what you're thinking, oh, God, we're going to be here forever. I don't think so. I'm going to go really fast. I think we'll get out normal time, but nine points. If you're taking notes, write fast because I'm going to talk fast, okay. So here we go. Um, Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 1, it says this, One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, With the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. And then he sat down and talked to people from the boat. So real quick before we jump into verse 4, make sure you see the picture. So they're at a lake. Uh, just picture Baden Lake because that's all we got, right? So picture Baden Lake, and he's on, Jesus is like on the shore. 
and then he's looking up, and the water's behind him, and there are just massive amounts of people standing. And he's teaching, right? He's teaching. He doesn't need a mic. He's got a booming voice, the whole thing. And while he's teaching, more people come, and more people come, and more. It's like the total opposite of what we experience in church today, right? Like people leave, and people leave. But here, like people come, and they come, and they just crowd around him. And so every time more people come, Jesus is like taking a step back. It's what you would do, right? Just you're invading my space, right? Give me a little more space. And eventually his heels are in the water and there's nowhere else to go. And he turns around and he, oh wait, there's two fishermen. There's two fisher, fishing boats there. And he looks over here and there's a bunch of fishermen and it says that they're cleaning their nets. And what they're doing is literally they would, they would fish all night long. They're called trammel nets. They would take the nets out. They'd have all the stuff on it from the water. And if they didn't clean them right away, then it would destroy the nets. And so they're over on the shore and they're washing the nets. They probably don't have like hoses you know they're not super pump action water guns they're scrubbing the nets it's a lot of work and so while they're doing he's like hey hey um it's Simon right can I use your boat and so he jumps in the boat Simon pushes out so now the boat's out in the water Jesus is sitting in the boat and now more people can stand there he can talk to them that's kind of what's going on okay you with me so far all right so verse four when he had finished speaking he said to Simon you know Simon as Peter his but his actual name is Simon Peter He says to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master. But you got to say it like this. Master. Right. We've worked all night, hard all night, and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled their boats so full that they both began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. So were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. By the way, like, when fishermen, and these are professional fishermen, not me casting with my grandpa. When professional fishermen are astonished at what you've caught, would you agree? That's a big catch, right? When they're, when they're going... Wait, what? I mean, that's a big, big catch. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. In verse 11. So they pulled their boats up on shore. And if you, if you underline stuff in your Bible, I want you just to underline that last phrase. It says, and they left everything and followed him. If you're on you version, you're highlighting that right now. Make a verse image, share it, the whole deal. They left everything and followed him. Let me just make nine really quick observations okay one big catches usually interrupt us moms dads let me see if this describes a scenario that you can relate to you've had a long day at work you come home and everybody's hungry right and so you walk in the door and you start fixing supper I don't know if you're the primary meal fixer in your house Wendy does a lot of cooking for us sometimes I'll jump in and help her if she doesn't want me to burn stuff um but you know like so you're fixing the meal right you feed the family uh, you clear the table, you put the dishes either in the dishwasher or, as often as the case, you have to unload the dishwasher that you forgot to unload so you can load the dishwasher with the dirty dishes. Anyway, it's a whole big deal, right? And when it's finally done, the dishes are clean, everybody's fed, you're finally finished, you sit down on the couch, you kick back, remote control, turn the TV on, and you just go, <sighs> and isn't that about always the time that somebody in your family says, hey, What's for dessert, right? And you're just like, whatever you want to fix, man. Kitchen's closed, right? You ever said that? Kitchen's closed. 
you work in a restaurant. Restaurant closes at 9 o'clock. 7 o'clock, no business. 8 o'clock, no business. At 8.30, what are you doing? Oh, we know what you're doing. You're cleaning up. You're mopping the floor, and you're praying hard. You are prepared at 9 o'clock to lock that door, turn that sign, and at 8.55, party of 10 walks in. If you can think about how that feels, then you can relate to Peter. Because Peter has worked all night long. He has, he has fished all night long. He is cleaning up. The nets are clean. It was a big deal once nets were clean to make them dirty again. And just as he gets it cleaned up, Jesus says, Hey, Peter, I got an idea. Let's put out in the deep. You know, Peter's got to be thinking like, No. I don't, I don't want to do that. I, I, don't, I don't want, I'm washed, the nets are clean, I'm done. Letting Jesus preach from their boat was not an inconvenience, right? It's like, hey, we're busy cleaning the nets, just hop in a boat, push out, do your thing, we'll be over here cleaning up. But, but once that was done and that was finished and Jesus said, hey, how about let's go fishing again? Listen, that was an inconvenience. You need to understand this. When God wants to do something big in our lives, it very rarely happens on our timetable. It most always seems like an interruption because big catches usually are. They interrupt us. Here's number two. Big catches take us beyond what we know. Um. I don't know if you noticed this or not, but who was Jesus teaching about fishing? Fishermen, right? He's teaching well, yeah, us right now, but he, in the story, he's teaching fishermen, right? He's talking to professional fishermen, and he's teaching them how to fish. And what I, what I want you to get is this. More than likely, I mean, outside of the fact that Jesus was God, and so he might have had other knowledge that we don't know about, but for the most part, I think Peter knew more about fishing than Jesus did. Now, Jesus knew more about how to be the Son of God and Messiah and all that. But I think Peter knew how to fish. He was the professional fisherman. And so when Jesus said, let's go fish now, what Peter would have known is this. He would have known that the best time to fish was at night, not during the day. And the reason was simple. Because at night, these travel nets that they used, at nighttime, the fish couldn't see the nets. But in the daytime, the fish would see the nets. And so it was harder to catch them. They would have known that that the best time to fish would have been at night, not during the day. But when Jesus said, let's go fish now, there's something about Jesus that, that made Peter say to himself, wait a second, like I know more about fishing than he does. But I think I need to give this a shot. And sometimes we let our knowledge get in the way, don't we? Moment of transparency. I was a worship leader for like 10 years. And so I was the worship leader that would say things like, everybody raise your hands. Everybody come to the front. But little secret, I was also the worship leader that if I was in the pew and the worship leader said that, I was the guy that went, can't tell me what to do. I don't need to go to the front. Jesus can meet me in the back just like he can meet me in the front. And so what happens is we get so locked up in what we know, right? Isn't that amazing? Like even this morning when I got up and said, like, hey, let's, let's just come to the front. And, and, and I'm an introvert. I don't say stuff lightly. I get it. That's a big step. But isn't it funny how so often the first thing that we say to ourselves is, I don't have to do that. God can meet me here. Well, duh, I know he can. 
We all know he can, but sometimes the big catches take us beyond what we know. And that's what happened with Peter. I, I think as Jesus was saying, hey, Peter, let's put out in the deep. I think that he was remembering a verse that he'd read on a scroll or had, or had had read to him. It's in Isaiah 55, 9. It says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. I think that's what Peter was thinking about. It's like, I don't understand why he wants me to go fish during the day. But I remember from the scroll, like God said, his ways are higher than mine. His thoughts are higher than mine. So big catches take us beyond what we know. Don't ever let your knowledge limit your obedience. Big catches require more effort. This is the one that we're, we're going to hate. Number three is the one we're going to hate. Because when you're really tired, you don't want to do more work, right? That's just the way it works. But what I love about this story is when Jesus told Peter that they were going to go fishing again, he didn't say, now, Peter, Sit down here on the shore. You've had a long, hard night at work, and I'm going to take your boat out, and I'm going to drop your nets in. Actually, I'm not going to drop the nets. I'm just going to go out in the boat and go, fish, here, fishy, and they're going to jump in, right? He says, but you just chill back here, fix some fish, eat some breakfast, and I'll go take care of it. He didn't do that. And this is a really hard one to wrap our brains around because he looked at a, a fisherman who, according to the story, worked hard all night and caught nothing. I know people that don't work hard and that's why they have nothing. But that wasn't Peter. He worked hard all night and had nothing to show for it. He failed. And Jesus looked at that man and said, let's go again. Let's try again. And sometimes when we're really tired, we, we, we say this to God. This is how we, <laughs> this is how we pray. Lord, I'm so tired. And I'm so thankful that you understand how tired I am. And that's why you're going to be okay with me staying home today. I'm not going to tell anybody about you today because I'm, I'm tired. And you understand the heart. You know I love you, but I'm so very tired. I'm so very tired. I'm just so tired. God understands that you're tired. And he still spoke Luke 10:2 through Jesus. Look at this verse. Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send who into his harvest field? Who? Workers. He didn't say, find anybody. Hey, I got an idea. Find a bunch of people that just sit on their butts in church and never do anything and send them out. Because Jesus is smart. He's like, well, if you're not working now, you're not going to work then. You ever heard that expression, if you want to get something done, find a busy person and ask them? I mean, I know that this flies in the face of, like, aren't we supposed to just chill in church and, like, sit on a cloud and, like, play a harp when we die? No. There's work to be done. And sometimes big catches actually require more effort. And so Jesus understands that. He says, look, find workers and send the workers out. Send the workers out. It takes more effort. But let me ask you this question. And if you're a fisher person, you'll understand this. Peter's tired, he's worked all night, he's fished, he's caught no fish, he goes back out, he drops the nets in the water, and it says they caught something so big, the nets start to break, they have to call people over to help, and the boats begin to sink. When, when they're catching all those fish, how tired is Peter? I don't think he's tired anymore. I think he's like, holy, get the boat over here, come on, come on. He's like, he's energized, like we got fish to catch. You know what I've learned in church? What kills churches is when there's never any new life. But what energizes churches is when lost people are found. 
when souls that were dead are now alive. Do you know why baptism services are so amazing in churches? Because they're visible evidence of lives that are being changed. There's something about even when we're tired and he sends us back out, I think at some point we have to do what Peter did. We have to trust him. Okay, you're asking me to do more work, but there's a payoff at the end. And when that payoff comes, I'm going to forget about how tired I am. A lot like when I run 50 miles, I'm going to be really tired. But if I cross the finish line and somebody walks up and says, hey, Paul, we raised $50,000. 50 women are free from human trafficking. Do you know how tired I'm going to be? Not too tired to dance. You know what I'm saying? It might be a funny, tired-looking dance, but I'll be moving because there's energy that comes from that. And that's what Jesus understood. Big catches require more effort. All right, four, um, we got number four, and then I think we got like five, six more. We got to go quick. Here we go. Really fast. Right fast. Big catches happen after simple obedience, okay? Um, all I mean by that is Peter had all the reasons why it wouldn't work, and he was right. They'd worked all night. They hadn't caught anything. So sometimes, uh, if our prayers could just sound like this, okay? <laughs> Lord, one, 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 but at your word. I'd be okay with that. I think maybe that's okay to pray like that because that's what Peter did. He's like, I'm tired, <laughs> but at your word, I'll go. Just simple obedience. Sometimes we, 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 we think our big plans never materialize because we're waiting for big things to do first. But big, big things don't happen. Big plans don't happen because of big things. They happen because we do simple things consistently and faithfully. Just be consistently faithful in the small things, and God will take care of it. Psalm 119.24 says, your statutes are my delight. They are my counselors. It means I delight in your word. So when God calls you to big stuff, and I love what Tim said, he's calling us to something big. And we start to hear all the excuses. I just want you to pray those excuses. I can't do that. I'm from Albemarle. I'm just this. I'm just that. I don't have a college education. But at your word. That's it. Value the word of God. Trust him. Simple obedience. Here's number five. Big catches break things. It said that they started to catch the fish and the nets began to break. And it reminded me of the first church where I interned as a youth pastor. And the church had like 100 people and 40 of them were teenagers. It was a blast. I was the youth pastor, so it was fun. And so we would meet on Sunday nights down in the fellowship hall. All these kids would come in. And so, you know, when kids come to a place, they, they just stand somewhere. They mess it up, right? They, they don't have to try. They just stand there and things break. And so, like, the toilets would get overflowing. And, like, they would go in the bathroom and they would wash their hands and get the towels and dry them. And they would, teen, only teenagers do this. They're drying their hands and they just would drop the towel. I mean, drop that paper towel as if they think it will levitate to the trash can and go in, right? Teenagers believe this. They think there's a secret law of physics, it's not true. Like you have to pick that thing up and put it in the trash can, right? So when, when the, the custodian would walk in the next day, like there's trash everywhere in the bathroom. There are scuff marks on the floor. And she just got so hot and bothered by that that she put a sign up on the wall that said, do not scuff the floors, which I ripped down and threw away because that's stupid, right? Because when we want people to come to the church, if we are having big catches of people, they're going to break stuff. Things are going to get used. They're going to get broken. Nets are going to start to break. We can't be afraid of that. 
When, when we leave this church and we go down to that next building and make a church there, people come, things going to break. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Big catches break things. Um, I think that the custodian in my church missed the point that a big catch of souls will at least strain things. And, and you need to know this. It'll strain the very structure of the church. Big catches. Imagine if our church doubled in its size in a week, just like that. It would put a strain on how we communicate. It would put a strain on what community group you might go to. It may put a strain on what times the service you come to. I mean, that can happen. But that's what happens when you have a big catch. It strains things. And what you need to know is that when you start to feel that strain, that's normal. Nobody's going to be mad about it. But when we get offended by that strain, then what happens is we become a church. That, and, and I know you would never say this. But we start to pray prayers like this. God, if you could just stop letting new people come, that'd be great. Because they're messing up where I sit. They're messing up the way I like church. I know she's amen to me. That's awesome preaching right there. When we become a church of our own preference, then nothing breaks because there's nothing to break it. But big catches break things. All right, here we go. Last four. That was baby talk for, would you hurry up? Big catches require better partnerships more than they require bigger boats. They require better partnerships more than they require bigger boats. Here's what I mean by that. When they caught all these fish and the net started to break, Peter didn't holler out, quick, build the boat bigger. He called out to his partners, come help, come help, come help. And I think sometimes we, we kind of buy this lie that if we can just get bigger and bigger and bigger buildings, then we can handle the catch. But what we believe from the beginning, one of, our, one of our core values is the uncontainable kingdom of Jesus. That God wants to do something so big in Albemarle that one church could never contain it. There will never be a boat big enough for that. And so what's important for us to understand is that we've got to develop a network. We've got to develop kingdom networks. The size of the catch we can handle is related to the size of the kingdom network we've developed. If, we've, if we're just building big facilities, bigger and bigger and bigger, then what we're saying to the whole city is we're the only boat that matters. We're the only ones that are really fishing. And I know for a fact that that's not true. And I know that because I build partnerships with churches around us. And we're going to do something right now because here's how we start to build better partnerships. We pray for people. We pray for other people that are working in the harvest field. And so right now, I want you to grab two or three hands, and I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And here's what we're going to pray about. And we've got to do this quick, okay, so I know we're, we're winding down in town. We're going to pray for some of the other boats that I know in our city that right now, as we're sitting in our church having church, they're also having church, and they're preparing their people to fish. And so we're going to pray for, um, here's just three that I know that I'm, I'm close to. We're going to pray for North Albemarle Baptist. Their pastor is Brad Lynch, great man of God. We're going to pray for Boomerang Church. They're right down the street. Their pastor is Brian Wright. And we're going to pray for Growing Family Church. They're right out on Highway 73. And their pastor is Larry Wilkins. Those are three churches and three pastors that, if they were preaching this passage, would say the exact same thing because I know those men. And they'll be praying for us because we're about the water as well. So can we just real quick, um, if you can't remember all that, just say, oh, God, help the people that Paul's talking about, okay? And he'll know who you mean, all right? So let's pray right quick. Father, we thank you. I thank you as a pastor that it is not on me to catch all the fish. 
that you have, you have put boats strategically in our city. And we're just praying for three others right now. But there's a ton of them, God. And we ask that you would you'd bless Boomerang. You'd bless Growing Family. You would bless North Albemarle Baptist. God, we are blessed as a church to be in a city where other churches are also fishing for lost souls. And so I pray for their pastors, God. Um, for Pastor Brad, Pastor Brian, and Pastor Larry. I just pray that you would, you would do amazing works in their hearts that you would open the scriptures to them, reveal yourself to them, and use them, God, to guide their churches. In your name, Jesus, amen. I'm also praying that your lung goes back in your body. You're welcome. I, th- I thought I was going to open my eyes and her lung was going to be flapping out here somewhere. It was freaking me out. Um, okay, here's the last three. I'm sorry. If you're visiting, I'm sorry. I'm so glad you're here, but I'm a little bit... Um, I'm, I'm, I'm unique. All right, so <laughs> I, don't like, I don't like the way you laughed at that, honestly. I'm going to preach for 10 more minutes now. Um, so here we go, the last three. Number seven, I got to do these fast. I'm so sorry. Big catches reveal the greatness of Jesus. Big catches reveal the greatness of Jesus. Um, verse nine is when Peter, you know, after the catch happens, It says, when Simon Peter saw this, the catch, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. And and let me just tell you real quick, we read that and go, oh, he must be really bad. It's not really about Luke. I mean, it's not really about Simon Peter being bad as much as that was a fisherman who knew how to fish had never seen a catch this big. And he was given the instructions on how to fish by a carpenter. And so for for Peter, this was a moment where he kind of went, Wait a second. I don't know if you're who I think you are. I think you might be bigger than just a carpenter's son. And I am a sinful man. It was almost like he saw the greatness of who Jesus was, and that revealed the smallness of who he was. Sometimes we try to work it up like, I'm a really bad person. You don't have to try to feel bad if you'll just see Jesus. Just seeing Jesus makes us feel small. But it also empowers us because we realize he wants to do something through us. I love what you said, Tim, like a big God. That, that's the big idea later. That's, I'm going to read the big idea and you're going to be like, what? That's amazing. But he's so big and so great and he still wants to use us. And that's what Peter was realizing here. I don't, I don't know who you are. I don't know how, why you're using me like this, why you're doing this catch. I don't understand all that, but I know that I'm sinful in light of you. He reveals the greatness of Jesus. Listen to this statement. Big catches will always reveal the greatness of Jesus. And the minute we don't allow the catch by Jesus to feel the worship of Jesus, we'll stop catching fish. The minute it becomes our pastor's great, our church is great, I'm a good Christian, we will not catch fish any longer. Because it's never to reveal our greatness. It's always to reveal his greatness. Here's number eight. Big catches change the course and purpose of our lives. They were never the same after this. This is the last big catch they ever experienced. Talk about going out with a bang, right? Jesus said, look, until this point, all you've ever done is fish for fish. Fish for fish. Now, I'm going to teach you to fish for souls. It changed their whole lives. Everything about them changed from this point forward. Something about big catches, seeing God do big things changes the course and purpose of our lives. I'm praying that you would begin to have the purpose of your life changed because of the greatness that you see in God. 
And it's not because your purpose now is so small. It's just that in light of God, I'm called to be a brain surgeon. Great. That's fantastic. But when you see that you're called to be a fisher of men, then you become a brain surgeon who uses what you do to fish for men. That's the greater purpose. And here's the last one. Big catches are worth risking everything for. I love the power of that last phrase. Depending on what version you have, it might sound a little different than what I'm going to say. But the version I was studying from, it said, they left everything and followed him. They left everything and followed him. Um, Big catches are worth risking everything for, and they reveal a God who takes care of us when we do. Um, I don't know if 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 you've thought about this or not, but he calls fishermen to leave everything and go with him. If you left your job tomorrow, and some of you are like, now, that's how I'm going to apply this message, right? I'm walking to my boss, and I'm going to be like, I am out. Hang with me for a second, okay? I think you might be misunderstanding. But if you walked into your job tomorrow, and you, you gave them a resignation letter, no two-week notice, nothing. You said, I'm out, because I'm going to follow a man for the next however many years, and I'm going to do what he asked me to do, and we're going to tell people about the good news and all this stuff. If you did that tomorrow and they quit paying you tomorrow, who's taking care of your family? How's your family making, making it? How are, they, how are they eating? How are they paying the bills while you go off and do your thing? That's what Peter's family faced. And you know how they took care of themselves? They sold the fish. Like the big catch that Jesus had them catch the catch that was breaking the nets and sinking the boats, what was the market value on that? It was probably more fish than those guys had ever caught in their entire lives. And they were able to take that fish to the market, sell those fish, and then use that money for their families as they left and followed Jesus. And, and here's why I'm telling you all that. As we were praying this morning, I had put in my notes this week, God will, God will provide everything we need when we leave everything we have to follow him. But as we prayed early this morning, here's the phrase that kept going through my mind. When it comes to Jesus, we have left everything and lost nothing. I mean, think about the power of that. We have left everything and lost nothing. Because when we love him enough to leave everything behind, then his love for us provides everything we need. And that's what these guys experienced. So imagine them going home to their families that night. And, hey, honey, how is fishing today? Oh, man, can I, I got a story to tell you. And can you see their, their wives just rolling their eyes? Oh, we've heard these before. <laughs> I promise you, this is a real story. And can you see them going, it, was, it really was, it was this big. And there's like the boats and everything sinking. They're telling, their, they're telling their family the whole deal. It was a true story. The big catch was all it took to hook a bunch of fishermen. And the rest was history. And, and here's what I'm praying for you. God's calling us to follow him. So here's your big idea. Here's your big idea. A big God calls small people to great things. A big God calls small people to great things. And that's what we see in this story. These are just yahoos. These are just smelly old guys dropping nets in the water. They're just doing what they've always done. And a big God in Jesus used a big catch to call small people to great things. And they left it all. You, you, you hear God speak the word through Tim about purpose. That you were created for purpose. You were called for purpose. 
You don't have to work it up when you see that you've got purpose. Suddenly when you have purpose, you will leave everything to pursue that one purpose. And the purpose you have in your life is to leave everything and follow Jesus. To leave everything and tell others about Jesus. Where you are. To go out and drop your net and start fishing for souls. That's the purpose of our lives. A big God calls small people to great things. I want us to respond this morning by doing exactly what the fishermen did. By leaving everything to follow him. And when we leave everything, realize that we're losing nothing. I want you to close your eyes. I just want to pray for you real quick. God, I thank you that you are this morning, you are challenging us, um, not just through this teaching through the word, but also through the, the word you gave to Tim and in, even the word you gave through Justin in the first service. It, it's just, you're challenging us, God. This is what we were created for. We have been called to purpose, and that purpose is to fish for the souls of men. And I'm so thankful that you, and, you allow us to be a part of that, God. I thank you for the big catch that we studied this, this morning, God, for how you used it to just revolutionize these men and ultimately our lives. And so I pray over the house here at the gathering that this week it, where we work in our homes, God, that we would begin to see you at work in big ways, in big catches, and that it would do the same for us that it did for them. That they would be so enthralled with your authority and your power that they would leave everything behind to follow. And I thank you for that. Just before you open your eyes, let me do a little fishing, can I? Let me just ask you this question. Let me fish for your soul. Let me tell you this. Listen, what the Bible says the gospel is, is that you and I were hopelessly lost in sin. That we have no shot. We have jacked our lives up trying it our way. And that that's not the way God created us to be. He created us to be without sin and with him. And because we messed that up, because there was this great gulf between us, he had to fix that. He sent Jesus to die on the cross to pay for your sins and my sins. He rose again, validating what he did on the cross. And because he's alive today, he alone has the authority to offer you life where there is death because of sin. And so I simply want to ask you this question. If you've never tr trusted in that, if you've never made a decision to trust in the work of Jesus on the cross for your salvation and for the payment of your sin, today is the day that we can do that. Just like the man in the first service who chose today for his, the beginning of a new life, it can be you as well today. And if that's you, I just want you to raise your hand and say, that's me. I, I want to receive the new life in Christ because of his work on the cross. If that's you, just raise your hand. And you can put it right back down. Anybody here? All right. All right. Father, thank you so much just for your faithfulness, God. I thank you for your work here at the gathering. I thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. And I pray that we would be a much better fisher of souls than I was with my grandpa when I was trying to catch fish. Help us, God, this week to use, to use the words that you give us to share the good news of Christ and to see your kingdom grow. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen.